The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. God doesn't get goosebumps when he hears the Star Spangled Banner. Coming up, Dr. Robert Jeffress and David Barton discuss how we can be salt and light to restore the church's influence in society. So if we took individual ownership, we could turn this nation around on a spiritual standpoint in a heartbeat. God says, I will bless any nation that reverences me, and I will judge any nation, including the United States of America, that rejects me. Betty's back. She, she was sick there. You knew several times she wasn't here. Thank you for prayers. Mm-hmm. I'm excited because we got two guests here. They're, my, they're, they're heroes. They're champions to me in the faith. Uh, they are shepherds. They have prophetic insight. They have wisdom. They have fire in their bones. Uh, they're not. One of them said a while ago, said, we got to show people the real Jesus and how to face what we're facing. It's not Jesus running around eating bird seed <laughs> and a little wimpy, little squishy Jesus. <laughs> and that's for sure. And that was Dr. Robert Jeffers who said that. <laughs> and uh, with him is uh, David Barton, who's Dr. David Barton too. And uh, so we're just really glad. Would you give them a great welcome, David Barton and Dr. Robert Jeffers? All right. Thank you. I got a wall builder over here, and I got a pastor of First Baptist Church who preached in, uh, on building a wall. Nehemiah thought, walls have a purpose? By the way, you got wall builders. Do walls have a really meaningful Absolutely. biblical purpose? Absolutely. You know, you hear the uh, Nancy Pelosi and others saying that uh, walls are unchristian, they're immoral. Well, if that's true, then God's immoral because he told Nehemiah to build a wall around Jerusalem. There's going to be a wall in heaven, Revelation 21 says. So, uh, you know, I got to preach the inauguration sermon for President Trump, and I preached on Nehemiah when God selects a leader, and I stopped and said, you see, Mr. President, God's not against walls. And so, uh, You walls said a lot a of things that people wouldn't expect you to have said, and you, I was there that same morning, and I had the president That's standing right. in front you of me, and I preached directly you to him and the whole family and the whole cabinet. So, listen, these people hear the truth. Now, whether they do the truth or not, what about you? Are you going to do the truth when you hear it? That's the real question. I want to ask both of you men, if you talk to the people who say we are the church, the body of Christ, Christians, we believe God is our Father. He's the Creator. He's our Father. We have a relationship. What do we Christians need to hear concerning our future, the future of freedom, the future of people we care about, do we have any responsibility and can we do anything about the trends where the gates of hell seem to be pushing in on us? Answer the question. Uh, I'm going to take it to an individual level. If you look at America, we've had our Constitution now 232 years this year. The average length of a Constitution in the history of the world is 17 years. How many? 17. Wow. Average length for a Constitution is 17 years. We have stability to a point we just take it for granted. I got news for you. I've talked to people in Poland, alive in Poland, who have lived through seven constitutions in their lifetime. Mm. If you're a baby boomer in South Korea, you have lived through six constitutions. South Korea, we consider to be a stable nation. So we're very blessed. 
That has been because we built upon a religious and a moral foundation. George Washington said of everything that causes our politics to prosper, religion, morality, indispensable supports. So here's, here's the two things I think are really key for where we are now. If you look at America from a faith standpoint, in 2006, 45% of the nation professed to be born again. In 2000, uh, 12 years later, in 2018, it was down to 31%. Wow. In 14 years, or in 12 years, we dropped 14%. We are plummeting for born-again Christians. Uh, for the first time ever, the number of evangelicals in America has been passed by the number of atheists, agnostics, and nuns. So there are more non-religious people in America first time than there are even evangelicals. The trends are going the wrong direction. Here's, here's what I would point to with that, is if you look at Christianity in the world, on the world scene, we have been trying to evangelize people for 2,000 years, and we are now at 32% of the world's population. We're the largest religion in the world. Islam comes in at 21%, then you get Buddhism at 14%, Hindus at 7%. We have, we got all these professionals that are so good. We got the missionaries, we got the pastors, and we got evangelists, and we're at 32 percent. Just, and just you're a, saying that's a percentage of that, the entire that world say, population. But, but now, whether those people really have a relationship, a spiritual relationship, which yeah. would be actually questionable too, though. We, right? But that's what they say, that. though. But okay. I'm just going to play with the numbers okay. for a minute right, I got you. and say, okay, let, let's say 32 percent is right, and, and 2,000 years we're up to 32 percent. What if every Christian in the world made it their goal? In this one year, my only goal is to lead one other person to Christ. At the end of one year, we're at 64%. At the end of two years, the entire world is Christian. What if individuals decided to do something rather than waiting on the professionals to do something? Because that's our problem is we keep wanting the that's professional good. politicians, the professional Christians. Mm -hmm. We pay Pastor Jeffers. That's what <laughs> I'll bring my unsaved people to church and let him preach. No. How about you lead them to Christ individually? Mm -hmm. So if we took individual ownership, we could turn this nation around on a spiritual standpoint in a heartbeat. It would mm -hmm. be fast. Now, let me go to the political side. You go back to the American Revolution. The first four battles of the American Revolution was the Battle of Lexington, the Battle of North Bridget Concord, the Battle on the Road to Boston, and the Battle of Bunker Hill. And all four of those first battles that started this whole thing for independence for us, nobody con contacted the national commander-in-chief and said, hey, we got the enemy coming. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> what happened was in Lexington, the Reverend Jonas Clark said, I got it. I got 70 guys from my church. I'll go face the 800 British. When it, went to Lex when it went from Lexington to Concord, the Reverend William Emerson said, I got this. It's my community. Wow. 300 guys met the 800 British. When it went on the road to Boston, as the Reverend Payson Phillips, the Reverend Benjamin Ball said, our church has got this. We'll take care of the British. When it got to Bunker Hill, Reverend Joseph Willard said, I got it. It was the church that kept, see, the reason we won the national battle was we won all the local battles. And we didn't have a national strategy. We said, we're going we're gonna to take our local community. And when you defend Lexington and Concord and Road to Boston and Bunker Hill, and you defend, then you start winning national battles. And so we're so fixated right now on the next presidential election. How about let's take the school boards where we live? How about let's get city councils? How about let's get state representatives? If we would just take care of our community, mm -hmm. if churches would do that, if Christians would do that, 
would have the whole nation. And we keep looking from the top down. It's from the bottom up, and that's in our faith, and that's in our politics. You know most, but you all know, most people know, years ago, God did a pretty dramatic change in the life of this very highly visible evangelist. And one of the things God showed me was, yes, you're a spokesman, but you're going to become a servant above all, mm -hmm. because that's most effective in the kingdom. So helping you too means more to me than trying to go out even and get help. I try to help missionaries because I love people. That's it. Okay, I beg, I'm a servant spokesman, but I give a servant. But something else happened to me. God showed me how he's going to actually move things in the positive direction. He said the day of the somebodies is over. Yeah. It's going to be the day of the body. Mm -hmm. The body of believers yeah. built up into the fullness of my statue. It takes all of us together showing people what Jesus is like. And that takes the one-on-one -on -one effect. It's basically what both of you teach in these two books. This one where he talks about Solomon's wisdom. Everything you write, you talk about the rubber hitting the road. You talk about us doing what mm -hmm. he left us here Practical to do. Faith. And what you all did, you, you broke this thing down in all the major areas of concern. So if we, the Christians, if we go out and be what Jesus said we're to be and he is in us, then we can see everything around us change and there could be hope for the nation, right? I want to take a little bit different tact take here, and uh, I, in the end, I believe the same as you do. I think we may have a different way to get there, though. Yeah. I am uh, preaching through the book of Revelation, verse by verse. The title of the series is Final Conquest. In the end, we're going to win because Jesus is going to win, no and we're question. on the winning side. Yeah. But I think if you look at the Bible, uh, there's going to be a final downward leg before he returns. There's going to be a seven-year period when there's a one-world dictator. America will cease to exist as we know it during that time because of a ten-nation confederation. So what are we supposed to do in light of that? Well, we're not to give up. Yeah. We're to keep on fighting. And that's, and that's, right. And, and that's right. That's I, right. Look. I know yeah. that I'm going to die unless the rapture see, I comes. I don't see you giving up, guy. You're no, out front all the I'm time. I'm not. I'm not. But listen, I know I'm going to die. This body's going to wear out one time, but I still exercise every day. I still eat right, right. as best I can. That's I still right. go to the doctor, not because I'm afraid of dying, but I want to prolong my life here on earth so that I have more time to be a witness for Christ. The reason we're to push back against evil, James, is the church of Jesus Christ, is we want to prolong the That's time right. we have That's here right. on earth to share the gospel. You know, in 2 Thessalonians, the 2 Thessalonians talks about the restrainer of evil who is keeping the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, from taking over. Who is that restrainer of the evil? Well, it's the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit in, in Christians. That's right. It is Christians who are out there that's being right. active who like standing against a dam that's about to burst. Mm -hmm. We're to stand against the dam of evil that's about to burst on the world so that we can have longer to share the gospel. You know, we pray this prayer. And so many Christians pray it, the Lord's Prayer. And part of that prayer is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. That's right. We're praying for God's will to be done now. now. Not sometime in the future, right. but now. Now. And so I ask people watching this program, do you think it's God's will for 1.4 million children to be murdered in the womb every year through abortion? Is that God's will? No. Is it God's will for immorality to run rampant no. like sewage in our streets in this country and around the world? Is that God's will? No. Is it God's will to see 
crosses torn down from war memorials? Yeah. Is it God's will no. for our country to outlaw the name of Jesus no. being mentioned in the schools? Is it God's will for Christians to be persecuted and martyred and have their heads chopped off around the world? No, it's not God's will. And it's time for God's people to get up off their yep. blessed assurances, if you know what I mean, and get to work right. in the name of righteousness. See, that, that is precisely, it's exactly what you were saying a while ago. If we stand against the force, we don't have to give the enemy, That's right. the deceiver, our marriage. That's right. We don't have to give That's him right. our family. That's right. We don't have to give him our community. I don't think we have to give him our schools. You touched it a while ago. No. We have basically handed off the education of our kids, the entertainment of our kids, all the things that happen because we opted out of pushing back against the influence of the deceiver. Let, let me, we failed to be witnesses. Right. Let me throw out a really simple example. It was actually out of Fort Worth, Texas that the policy came that said, oh, wait a minute, our school districts, we want all the kids having one bathroom and one locker room. Mm, that's right. And, and it came out of Fort, Fort Worth. Are you kidding me? Out of Fort, out of Texas? No way. And then at that time, President Obama picked that up and said, that's a good idea. And so the Department of Education came out and said, if you get federal funds at all, and virtually 99.9% .9 of all schools get federal funds, you will have one bathroom and one locker room. We're not doing this gender stuff. For all the kids. God help us. And so across America, common sense people said, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> And so up in northwest Arkansas, in a town of 40,000 people, a Christian lady up there said, you're not doing that in our schools. I'm running for school board. And she ran for school board, and in that town of 40,000, she got elected. And she got elected. We're not doing this in my school. Okay. The entire number of votes cast in the election were 35 votes in a town of 40,000 people, 35 votes. She gets in her making. Now, there's a pig farmer in Iowa who says, you're not doing that in my schools. So he puts his name on the ballot. Turns out he got too busy that day, didn't end up voting for himself. And it's not that he lost by one vote. Nobody voted in the entire election at all. Had he voted for himself, he would be the entire school board all by himself. See, we keep waiting for somebody to come in and save us from all this. My gosh, we got it in our power. Stand up and do something. This is not as insurmountable as we think it is. You know, the question I get asked all the time, I'm sure you guys do too, but I get asked as a pastor, Pastor, why do you get involved in politics? I mean, that is a dirty word. Christians, pastors involved in politics. Look, the word politics comes from a Latin word that means to influence. When you say that Christians shouldn't get involved in politics, you're saying Christians shouldn't try to influence the world That's in which crazy. they live. Can anybody say that and believe it with a straight face? <laughs> you know, in the Old Testament, it was the king who determined the spiritual direction of a nation. That's if it right. was a righteous king, right. God blessed the nation. That's if it was right. an unrighteous king, God cursed the nation. But the Israelites didn't get to vote for king. That was imposed upon them. But we get the choice, right. the blessing, John Jay said, of choosing our leaders. Uh, John Jay said, God has given us the privilege of choosing our leaders. And that means every time we go to the voting booth, we are either casting a vote for righteousness right. or for unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. And when we stay at home, we're saying we don't give a you-know-what what happens to this nation. Mm -hmm. That's why every Christian must get involved in politics. I'm not talking about partisan politics. I'm talking about scriptural issues that the Bible has spoken about. And look, God is no respecter of people or nations. God doesn't get goosebumps when he hears the Star-Spangled Banner. He doesn't stand up and wave when the American flag passes by. He doesn't care about that. God says, I will bless any nation right. that reverences me, and I will judge That's any right. nation, including the United States. 
United States of America that rejects me. You all agree with what you're hearing? I do. And we're not actually, Christians are us, we're not looking for a king. We have a king. His name is Jesus. He's king of kings That's and right. lord of lords. He holds kings in his hand. If we ask God to give us leaders that can accomplish the job, you're looking for a leader that may not come out of the choir. He may <laughs> not come out of a Sunday school class. Churchill drank very heavily, and yet he was positive. Patton was a great general that helped win the war against a horrible evil. He believed some things that were not right, but did he accomplish a task? Yes, he did. People need to realize we asked God to do something. He said he would do it. Sometimes he uses instruments that would not have been the one of our choosing. A lot of the ones we choose don't seem to lead us anywhere. We just keep going down. They don't take a stand like you do. If every pastor, and David, you've studied history, you know what's going on. If every pastor would stand up like this for this, be willing to risk it, be more concerned about what's right than how he looks, whether he's doing right, if they would stand up like this, don't you think we'd see a miraculous healing of the land I, and a great move of God's we spirit. We would see that not only if pastors did that, but if Christians would do that. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think one of the things that I see missing from the church today is any concept of a fear of God mm -hmm. and accountability. Mm -hmm. For example, I learned from the founding fathers in reading their writings that they believed one day we would stand before God and he's going to say, I gave your life. What'd you do with that? And we'll have to answer, you know, here's what I did. And Lord, I gave my heart to you. And you said, he that winneth souls is wise. And I did that. Good. Well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you your family. What'd you do with that, Lord? Just what you said. I raised my children, nurture and admonition of the Lord. I love my spouse. I... Great. Well done, good and faithful servant. I, I gave you your possessions. What'd you do with that? And we'd account for it. Account for, as, as we know, and, and Jesus tells us Matthew 12, every idle word we'll account for. We know 1 Corinthians 4, all of our thoughts we account for. We know from Hebrews 4, all of our actions we account for. And then he says, and, and by the way, I, I gave you a vote. What did you do with that? <laughs> oh, I decided not to do anything with that, Lord. That's the guy who got in trouble because I believe we will account to God not only for I what we do, but for the heart. opportunities yeah. we have where we do nothing. And if we've been given a stewardship over this nation, I, I gave you a nation. I told you to take care of it until I came back. What'd you do with it? Oh, man, I don't get involved in politics. That's not going to fly with him because it's, it's a nation that he gave to his people to be stewards over. And we can't decide we're not going to be involved just because we call it politics. And you're exactly right. He doesn't do politics. He does Bible. And if it happens yeah. to apply to stuff that's going on, don't call it politics. Call it Bible. Why do we, why do we let the government define what is politics mm -hmm. when the Bible should be the definition Amen. we use? That's great. I agree with you all. You all are my heroes in so many ways, and I know yours too, that all of you, and by the way, all of you who watch our program, and like right now, we're going to show you some people who are thirsty. You say, well, I've heard this. I'm, that's not what you do. Thank you. Because when you, Jesus said this, when you see the least of these, by the way, when he's separating sheep from goats, and the ones who are going to really be with the Lord in his presence because his presence is in them, and they see, and they notice, and they do it. Jesus said, you're doing it to me. When I was a teenager and I heard about Jesus saying, I thirst. And they gave him vinegar and gall. I'm just a kid that's just being exposed to Jesus for the first time. And I said, I would have given you water. I would have given you water. And together with our viewers, we've been able to give millions of people water and lead them to Christ by the millions. Would you right now watch and see the need that your love, God's love through you can meet?
Please do it. Watch closely, prayerfully. The far corners of the world frame a beautiful picture of God's creation and the unique people created in His own image. And as you visit different countries, you're sure to see many different cultures and customs. But even in the midst of this diversity, there is one commonality shared by all, the need for water. We need water to grow our food. We need water to care for our animals. And we ourselves need to drink water to survive. But unfortunately, many people around the world don't have access to clean water. The only water they have available is contaminated, and it's the children that suffer the most from waterborne diseases. La niña a mí se me murió de infección en los riñones y de diarrea. Y esa agua está contaminada, pero esa es la única agua que hay aquí. Just as the problem of contaminated water is the same around the world, so is the solution. You can help drill new water wells in many different countries and provide clean water to hundreds of thousands of people. Clean water changes everything. Clean water saves lives. You know, Betty, you've had a terrible kind of a um, bronchial virus as you've coughed and you see the, the need and not knowing whether you could even talk, you said, Honey, you tell them, but what, what do you want our viewers to see? And you see all the tremendous need, but you and I have not only seen the need, we've seen the joy that love That's brings. That's my favorite part, is to see the little ones go to the fountain of life, truly, and get fresh, clean water, and to see them, as the water's coming up, to see them dancing around. That's great joy, because without it, they're gonna die, and their mother's hearts have to be broken, because they have to give them water they don't have a choice of clean or dirty water. And they watch their children slowly die because they can't have fresh water. Please join with us and let's see the joy on the faces of those children again. You know, I want to, I want to thank you for your sweetheart and the way you've loved me, which people probably say it's got to be a challenge <laughs> from time to time for sure. But the way you've loved our family and everybody's family. And then when you went to the mission fields of the world, when we say we marched into hell for a heavenly cause, you don't know the half of it. As a matter of fact, we never even told you the half of it because we didn't want to put the missionaries in jeopardy or you think, well, it's probably too dangerous to even keep them there. But you went. And then when you see the need and you know what love does, I know what your heart says. I know how much you love our country. I know how much you love others, how much you love freedom. L listen to me. We can only share openly like we do because somebody showed us they care. It's like the missionary said, James, we're here with a broken heart. We'll have empty hands and nothing happens unless people who watch programs like yours will decide to meet the need that we see. You've been that miracle. Now then for more than 25, nearly 30 years, You've been the miracle in mission outreaches. 
Right now, we need a miracle of support. We need every single one of you who can to help us complete 400 wells this year, 200 wells. We need to complete right now. Father, I pray everyone who can help well, please. If you could give a well, you know, a lot of people say it's the greatest joy of our year. We ask God to let us do it. Some say, now we do it every year. Thank God for that. Could you drill a well, 4,800? Could you give half a well, 2,400, and say, Lord, raise up someone to join me. We got another well. 1,200 and three people join you. Whatever you can do, do it. But now remember this. Most of the support comes from people who give $48. 10 people, basically. Water the rest of the life. Where can you put $48 and do anymore? 144, 30 people. What a miracle. You become the miracle. By the way, don't think 10 is not important. That $48 is important. Whatever you can do, do it. Would you go get your bank card right now? Please. Dial that number that's a prayer line always for you if you need a prayer. And it's paid for by love. Would you go get your card, dial that number, or go online and just make the best gift you can. If you want to write a check, make it to life, but call us and tell us you're putting it in the mail. We got to know it's coming. Okay? Please do it right now. We have some gifts to send you, but you're giving the gift of life. Thank you for doing it. Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable. Give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them. With no other choice, what else can she do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a way for parents to save the lives of their children, to offer them a bright future free from the fear of death. With your gift today, you can help drill and establish 400 water wells this year. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five children. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15. And $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you the New Mercies Each Day Desk Calendar. This 17-month calendar will not only help you keep track of important dates, but also remind you of the Father's love and goodness with scripture quotes and encouragement from all the hosts on Life Today. With your gift of $100 or more, request the Fruit of the Spirit Bowl. This beautiful and decorative ceramic bowl features scripture revealing the fruit of the Spirit, a lovely addition to your table or home. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request our Safe in the Shepherd's Arms bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online. Well, you know, I want to just say from the bottom of my heart, thanks for your help. And I, I want to thank you for watching a program where two very courageous people joined up. Uh, another very courageous person. Maybe I fit in there a little bit, but we really love you. And what we've shared today is because God wants you to know the truth, stand for the truth, share the truth, declare the truth, demonstrate the truth. And therein lies our hope and not look to somebody, but the King, his kingdom in us, not of this world, and we reveal him to a world in darkness. That's the light that illuminates the way. That's what we're to be as a family of believers, a family of the perfect father. If you appreciate these men, would you express your... <laughs> thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you.
you will like them. You can get them online and you pass them on. Get others here. Thanks for watching Life Today. Thanks for sharing Life. Just because I have that in my past doesn't mean that that will define my future. Right. Yeah. I am who my God says that I am. I love that. I love Next week, Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.